Good morning. You can turn to the, the book of Jonah where we'll spend a good bit of our time. And it's a little tiny and it's sandwiched in there, you know, Obadiah, Jonah, what's it, Micah? Yeah, Micah. I knew that. I don't have to sing the song to get through the, the minor prophets. Uh, so take a minute to, to find it, maybe if you don't have tabs. But uh, I do want to say thank you. Thank you, Ron, for those uh, kind words. I get emotional if I talk about it too much, so I won't this week. Next week, I'll get emotional and talk about it, so that'll be be better. But I do want to say just real quick that we have so very much appreciated your kindness and your love that you've shown to our family, and uh, it's been a great experience here this year for us, and we'll, we're will we going to come back and visit, and um, hopefully, if you guys like me well enough, to come back and, and preach once in a while when Austin's not here or, or whatever. So, uh, you know, this won't be the last time that we'll see all of you, but uh, but you, I do want to thank you very much for this opportunity to, to be here with such loving people and good cooks, pretty much the best cooks that I've ever uh, had in, in church ever, uh, so that has been fantastic, but thank you all very much. Uh, there are some stories that are, uh, there. we just think of them as children's stories, right? And I think Jonah is certainly one of those. There's Joseph, the coat of, of many colors. There's you know Daniel in the lion's den, Noah in the ark, uh, Daniel, or David and, uh, not Daniel, David and Goliath. Uh, th- there's just a few stories that we think of as, as children's stories that we use a lot in Bible classes. They're they're very good stories, but at the same time, I think that a lot of times we need to, to concentrate on them as adults as well, and we can learn some very interesting things as we look deeper into some of these these stories. When uh, Griffin was little, real little, he was watching that DreamWorks movie, uh, Prince of Egypt, which it's about Moses, right? And I'm, it, it goes pretty far away from the, the biblical account. I'm not in any way saying it's a, it's a perfect movie, but he was, he was really getting into it when he was watching it. He was about five or six, I think. And there's a song in there called When You Believe, and there's a line in the song about we were moving mountains, I think, long before uh, we knew we could. And his eyes got really big, and I remember he said that, you know, he was amazed thinking about it, and he said, God can move mountains? That's amazing. And uh, I, I remember thinking about him being amazed at the power of God, and only sometimes only children are really, really impressed by that in that way. Uh, and we need to remember what that's like when we were children, and we were so impressed with these stories from the Old Testament, and and have the faith of the little child, and think about how powerful and amazing God is. And how he, he wrote all of these things for us to be able to use in our lives as encouragement and as teachers for how we should live. And that's what I want to do uh, this morning when we talk about Jonah. Uh, I don't want it to just be, uh, it's not just a fish story or it's more than a fish story. And that's, that's what I want to talk about uh, today. And we're going to start in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1 of Jonah, which says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittah, saying, uh, is it Amittai? Amittai, all right. Saying, arise, 
Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Uh, Jonah's given pretty clear instruction, right? To, to just go. When Adam sinned in the garden, Adam and Eve sinned, you know what I noticed? They didn't go to God to beg for forgiveness. What did they do? They hid themselves, right? In shame. And God comes to them and he asks them, where are you, right? When Cain killed Abel, he doesn't go to God and say, I've done this, this terrible thing. What can I do to fix this? No, God comes to him and says, where's your brother? So how do I know? Am I my brother's keeper? Right? He's ashamed. He's evasive. He's hiding from God. And I think in our sin, that's how we, we feel, right? David expresses it in Psalm 51, after he's sinned with Bathsheba and all that's that's come out, and Bathsheba and he's he's murdered uh, Uriah, her her husband, and all of this has come out, and he feels ashamed. And in Psalm uh, 51 and verse nine, he says, "Hide your face from my sins." That's how we feel towards God when we've done something wrong and we're ashamed. Just just hide your face from me, but. Here, Nineveh has sinned, and the, the greatness of their sin has come up before the Lord. And what does God say to do? He tells Jonah, go. Go to them, because their sin has come up before me. So, that's really the first point that I want to make today. In Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, God sends us. Jesus says in the Great Commission, right, go Ye, there's that great old book. I've got it up on my shelf. I saw it last night. Go ye means go me, right? You remember that book? But that's the the message that he gives us, the same message that he gave Jonah. And so we can gather lessons from that, from Jonah's reaction and, and how sometimes we react. But he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Or Matthew eleven twenty eight. We like that one. We like to focus on that one. Come unto me, right? All ye that are heavy laden, I will give you rest. We like the come unto me, right? We like to focus on that. Uh, but we are usually fine, I think, when the lost come to us. If we're sitting here today and, and someone who is lost comes in and wants to do a Bible study and asks to be baptized, well, we'd be fine with that. We're good with that, right? Yes, come unto me, all ye that labor are heavy laden. I will give you rest. All right? We're fine with that. But when it happens that people are not just coming to us, we have to do what? We have to go. And that's what he tells him here. And it's not just true of the lost. It's also true of how we're to deal with those who have sinned in the church against us. That's uh, Matthew 18, 15, right? What are we supposed to do if someone has sinned against us we're to go. We're not to stand around and wait for them to realize what they've done wrong and apologize and repent. They need to go forward and it needs to be a real, you know, real repentance. They can't just say, you know, if I've offended anybody, you know, I've, it has to be something real, you know. Is that how we're supposed to react to our, our brothers and sisters if they wrong us? Well, Matthew 18 and verse 15 says differently. We're to go to them. 
privately, one-on-one, and try to work that out. Say, look, you have sinned against me. This has happened. And I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to have anger and bitterness against you. I want to resolve this. I want to make it right. So that we can gain, it says gain our brother, right? Where to go. So Christianity has this aspect of go, do, action, right? Even our feet are shod with the gospel, right? We're supposed to go and teach others and help others and save others and repair relationships with others. And here in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 2, God makes that step towards Nineveh. He says, go. You're going to go because their sin is before me. God could have just punished them, could have destroyed them, right? But he doesn't. He sends Jonah to go to them and teach them. And then, of course, there's the response. Uh, And there are lots of different responses that people give whenever God gives a commandment, right? We have all sorts of different responses. The jailer, we talked about him in uh, Bible class briefly in Acts 16, in verse 33. He gives the correct answer. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and his family. Makes it makes it clear twice. It was the very same hour of the night that he went and does this act of repentance, and then he's baptized right then, at once. Right? He doesn't wait. There's no delay. Although the hour was late, the circumstances were bad, they're not convenient in any way, we would not think that that is a convenient circumstance, Right? And yet, he goes that very same hour and that night and takes care of what God commands him to do through Paul. Well, that's the correct response, right? To do what God says when God says to do it. But there's another reaction that we often give, and that's delay. There's a delayed response. Now, there are several examples of this in the Scripture, but... The one that I find uh, the most interesting, it might surprise you. I bet you think I'm going to the New Testament. I'm actually not. I'm going to the Old Testament. I'm going to Exodus. And I'm looking at Exodus chapter 8, uh, verses 9 and 10. I find this to be fascinating response, delayed response to God's command. And so Moses is talking to Pharaoh. He says, be pleased to command me when I'm to plead for you and for your servants and for your people, that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And I just love Pharaoh's response here, right? So so the frogs are everywhere. It's this plague of frogs. And they are just everywhere. And they are, they are noisy. They are smelly. They are horrible. They're, it's just gross. And they're everywhere, right? And what does Pharaoh respond? He's, first, Moses says, I, I can... Plead to God to end this plague if you will just do what God says to do, right? What is Pharaoh's response? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? He just one more day and night with the frog. There's a great famous sermon. One more night with the frogs, right? Yeah. I just, well, tomorrow. That's the... That's the worst tomorrow in all of Scripture. I mean, there are other tomorrows, right? There's... there's uh, when uh, Paul is teaching 
uh, who is it, Felix or Festus, I can't remember right now, but, uh, and he says, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get it when it's a convenient time, you know, I'll call on you again, he's afraid, right? That's, there's that tomorrow, and that's a terrible tomorrow, but another night with the frogs? You gotta be crazy, right? Uh, so that one has always fascinated me. Uh, but sometimes people just have this delayed response to God. They do not want to do what God wants them to do. I just want a little more time with the frogs. I just want a little more time with sin. I want a little more time doing what I want to do with my friend. I, I have a good time doing it. I know it's not good. I know it's not right. I know it's not good for me. It's one more night with the frogs. That's all I want, right? And... Uh, that never works out well, ever. It certainly, I'm sure it didn't work out well for Pharaoh to spend one more night. I'm, I'm sure it was a sleepless night. Somewhere around three o'clock in the morning, Pharaoh's wife was like, why didn't you ask him to take the frogs away this morning or yesterday, right? Well, it never works out well for the person because you'll never start to grow in your new life. You'll never get as far as you would have gotten if if you started right now, right? And, you know, I think there's an old proverb. It's not in the Bible, but it's it's a true statement, and I, I like it. I've always thought about this. Um, you know when the best time to plant a tree is? 20 years ago, right? That's the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. You know when the second best time is? Right now, right? So you can have a tree in 20 years. All right, But that's true in our life, too. If we want to do good things, if we want to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish, don't put off doing what He wants us to do. That's true of salvation and growing in Christ beyond, beyond being just a babe in Christ. But it's also true in, in other ways, right? It's also true in reaching the lost. We have to grow so that we're able to, to reach the lost, not let fear and barriers stop us uh, from doing what we need to do. Well, that's the second response. So the first one is to just do what God says to do. That always works out pretty well. The second is to, to delay. And I bet you know what the third one is because it's the one that Jonah did, right? Run. That's what Jonah does. Jonah runs. We can run away from God as well. And that's the exact response that Jonah gives. Look at verse 3 of chapter 1. It says, but Jonah rose up to flee, to run, right? Unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. God says to go. Go to Nineveh. Jonah says, no, I'm going to run to Tarshish. Now, I like this little map because it kind of shows you exactly how wrong that was. Don't know exactly where Jonah was. He was somewhere somewhere right around in here. And Joppa's down there. There's a port there. You can still see it today. It was one of the first places we went when I got to go to Israel. We landed. We're exhausted. They put you on a bus. It's like 9 in the morning. And they took us to Joppa. And you can still see the ancient port that's it's out there in the ocean. There's some 
pillars and blocks and stuff still out there. That's where Jonah left from. Now, the important thing to note from this map is not the geography and all of that, but it's just that Tarshish is just so far away from Nineveh, right? You don't have to get on a boat to get to Nineveh. You don't have to go down to Joppa and pay a fare to go to Nineveh. You just, you know, get your donkey and get, get walking over there. It's landlocked. It's in what's uh, modern day Iraq. And it, it's, there's no water, right? There's a, a river that runs by it. But you're not going to take a boat to Nineveh. So Jonah, not only he's like, well, I'm not going to go. I'm going to go as far away as I can possibly think to go. I'm going to get on a boat and I'm going to go. Which just fascinates me. I, I would not, you know, if you're if you're tempting God, so to speak, don't get on a boat. That's not what I'm going to do. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, in fact, even today, you know, I read these books. Um, I love these books by O'Brien. They're they're about sailing vessels in the Napoleonic era, and they're really great adventure stories. But even in those books, all this time passed since Jonah. If if they get somebody on that ship who's not acting right, and something goes wrong, they're so superstitious. You know what they call him? They call him a Jonah, right? They're thinking, I need to throw this guy off the ship if things are going to get better, right? So Jonah leaves this legacy here of that. So it is the exact opposite of going to Nineveh. He's going to go to Tarshish. Uh, He did not want to go help these people, and they are the enemies of God's people, and they have not done what's right. And, And we need to stop at this point, I think, and we need to think about how do we think about the lost? Do we think about the lost kind of like Jonah does here? Well, I don't really want to go to those people. I don't really want to go associate with them and deal with them. I, I like coming to church. Everybody's friendly. Everybody's nice. You know, it's, it's easy to get along. But I don't want to put myself out there in... Uh, in harm's way. And we need to remember the church is not some gated community, right? Where if people don't look the way I do or they don't have the same amount of money as I have or they aren't the same color or the same social status or that they're not deserving of God's grace somehow, right? Those people are just as much in need of God's grace as I am and as you are, right? And I, I think that God is no respecter of persons, right? And God wants everyone, all men everywhere to repent, right? God wants all to be saved, but not everyone will. But if we don't go to them, many less will. So it's a call towards evangelism. Uh, the other interesting note from verse 3 that I want to go here, and I promise you that I'm not going to go through the entire book of Jonah this slowly, just so you know. You're like, oh, you're going to be another five hours. No. But in verse 3, there is an interesting point. Jonah wants to run away, and he sets in his heart, you know, the furthest place I can run is Tarshish, and I'm going to need a ship. I'm going to go down to Joppa. He goes to Joppa. What does he find? He finds a ship going to Tarshish. Right? So, 
If you're looking to run from God, if you are looking to sin, what are you going to find? You're going to find a way to do it, right? It's going to be there. There's going to be a way for you to sin. And the other interesting thing that I find that the Bible is so so clever and God is so smart to put this in here is what does he do? He pays a fare. It costs him something to run away from God. He's got to pay this fare and he has no idea what he's buying into. If you think, you know, do you think Jonah at this point think, well, things might go poorly, there might be a a storm, I might get swallowed by fish and lived in there for three days and then vomited up back on the shore. You think he would have paid that fare? You think it was worth it? I don't think it was worth it at all, right? And that's the same exact thing that happens in sin, is we just don't count the cost of what it's going to cost us. That sin, that fare that we're paying to sin is going, the wages of it are death, right? He didn't know about the storm. He didn't know about the fish. And he didn't know what it would eventually cost him. And he didn't know that he would end up doing the exact same thing he was running away from. He's going to go through all of this and then still have to go to Nineveh, right? I just find that to be uh, very interesting. We rarely understand what sin will cost us when we start out at the beginning of sin. And then in verse 4, it says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. This is an action movie. You know, if you shot an action movie of, of the book of Jonah, this gets to the action right quick. God says, go. Jonah says, no. And now the storm is going to blow. I didn't even know that was going to rhyme until I just started that <laughs> sentence. That was, I was pretty happy about it. Uh, but it did. I'm a poet, didn't know it. And I think what's interesting here is what is the reaction that the sailors have? Well, they run to their gods. They pull out these little idols uh, out of their bags, out of their pockets, and, and they start to, to pray. And when it, what's interesting is when that doesn't work, they start to throw everything that they have into the ocean to lighten the ship, right? Now, this voyage is probably for trade. Those things were probably pretty important to them. But they are throwing everything over the side to lighten the ship. When they're in the storm, those things stop being important to them. And when people get involved in sin, they start throwing essential things out of their lives, trying to keep themselves afloat. Have you ever witnessed that? you ever seen that, Right? Yet they're still in the same boat, right? And they're still in the same storm. Uh, It's not going to work. And notice Jonah's reaction. What does he do? Oh, look at verse 5. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Jonah's sleeping, right? (laughs) He's ignoring it. He's ignoring the storm. He's, a, he's adrift, right? He's not trying to do anything to solve it. And we remember, who, what's the only chance that these people have? The only chance is for Jonah to admit that he's wrong and to fix it. And we're the best t- chance that people have to learn the truth. We need to not be asleep. We need to not be adrift. And note in verse 11, 
they're finally on the right track. They said unto him, What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. Right? We tried. We turned to our gods. We turned. We threw things out. We've done everything we know to do. And Jonah doesn't him or haul about it. He doesn't say, well, I don't know what to do. He, he tells him in verse 12, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. So you have to throw me in the ocean. Okay. So what do the men do? Do they pick him up and throw him in the ocean? No, they don't. That's It's shocking, right? One more night with the frogs. Here we go. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. They say, no, we don't want to do that. We've got this. We can do it ourselves. Pick up the oars. We got this. Right? These are experienced sailors, and they figure that they're, they don't need God's help. You know, I find it interesting. At Polish in the Pulpit, we have this session called Graybeard Session. It's one of the last things we do. Everybody loves it because uh, it's... It's the older preachers who have been the preachers the longest, and they're up there, and they're they're imparting wisdom and what they've learned throughout their life, but they're also usually pretty funny. Uh, and and so people love this session. It's just packed. And I was thinking, they introduced themselves. There were six men up there, and they each said how long they had been preaching. And between the six men combined, they had been preaching 400 years. I just found that to be so impressive. Between those six men, 400 years of service to the Lord. And what's amazing about that is that not one of them can get to heaven without Jesus. Even with 400 years of service to God and preach, not one of them can do it on their own. Right? Just like none of us can. Somebody reached out to those people. Somebody taught those people the gospel, and then they served for all those years. Well, finally, in verse 14, they pray correctly to God. This is wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood for for that. Don't hold this against us. We're going to throw them into the ocean, right? They're praying to God. But notice what they did. They tried to fix it themselves. They prayed to God. But when did they get salvation? It's when they actually did what they were supposed to do, what God told them to do through the prophet Jonah. So they they worship, they make vows, but the power was not in Jonah, right? The power was in God. So when they finally throw him into the sea in 15, it says immediately, you know, the sea was calm. So how shocking would that be? You've been going through all this turmoil, all this difficulty. You've tried everything you know to do. You've prayed to your gods and, and the things that you've cared about, you've thrown away. You've prayed correctly to God. God has not eased it. You finally did what God said to do. And the second you do, it's calm. You know, it happened, Jesus did it too, right? On the Sea of Galilee. What's the reaction to the men? They're all afraid first of the storm. Jesus is what? He's always oh, sleeping, just like Jonah. Interesting. And then when they go and get him, carest thou not that we perish, right? And Jesus says, be still to the storm. And it's still. Like everything is still, instantly. What's the reaction of the men? Oh, thank you, you saved us. No, they're afraid. Because they've just witnessed true power, right? 
power of Jesus. Here, same reaction. The men have been afraid. They've been afraid of the storm. But when the storm is calm, when they do what God told them to do, in verse 15, so they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The point I want to make here is that the power was not in Jonah. Power was in the Word of God and doing what God said to do. And, and that's true of us. We need to remember as we go out into the mission field, as we go to teach, the power is not in us. The, the pressure is not on us. The pressure is not on the reaction that people have. The power is in the gospel. It's in the message. It's in the words that God gave us to give. And well, then you get to the fish, and I'm probably like six slides behind. Yeah, you get to the fish. We're not going to talk about the fish. That's what you always talk about with Jonah. Fish spits him back up onto the shore. And we get to chapter 3 and verse 1. And it's like Jonah part 2. What's it say? And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city. Preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. All that, and you still get to go and preach to Nineveh. And this time, God qualifies it a little bit, right? You're right back where you started, Jonah. And the message is almost the exact same. But he says, uh, all those efforts running away. But then he says, there's one thing. I want you to use my words. I want you to, to teach using uh, my words. Why do we fear so much when God has given us the words that we're to use? He's given us the gospel. It's, it's not our responsibility how it's received. It's our responsibility to go. And God gives us in the Bible what we need to teach others. And Jonah does. He goes to Nineveh now and he preaches and, and he's very successful. He preaches a, an eight word sermon, I think it is eight. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Eight words, right? And the whole city believes and they repent. He's the most successful preacher ever. Jonah must be very proud and very happy, right? Everything has gone great. You know, I thought maybe he'd be persecuted or something horrible would go to him. Well, what? Verse Chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. I tell you what, if everybody comes forward today, I won't be very angry. I won't be that way. But, but Jonah is. He's displeased. He's angry at God. And he prayed unto the Lord... And said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before you unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, great kindness, and repentest thee of this evil. I knew you were going to give them grace. I knew you were going to be nice to them. Jonah is so disgusted and angry with God. Boy, he was singing a different tune when he was in the belly of the fish, wasn't he? He wanted grace and mercy then, he knew he had fled from God. Then, he knew he was in the wrong then. He knew he didn't deserve grace then. But what did he want? He wanted mercy and grace, right? But what, boy, he sings a different tune here. I want those people to suffer, right? They're the enemies of, of us. But if he could convert them, wouldn't that be great and powerful for God? So here he is, he's angry, and God teaches him a lesson, and there's, there's this weird little parable 
at the end of Jonah, and then Jonah just kind of kind of ends. He kind of goes up and he's thinking, well, maybe God will destroy them. Um, oh, there's this nice tree here, and he didn't do anything to to make that tree or to cultivate that tree. He didn't deserve the shade from that tree, and then the tree God kills the tree, and Jonah's upset about it, right? And then God kind of teaches him a lesson at the end. In, in uh, chapter 4, verse 10, Then the Lord said, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, the tree, for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? He's like, look, should I not... You're upset about this this little tree. Should I not be merciful to all those... Uh, those people. And to me, it reminds me of uh, the world that we live in right now. You know, I, I see all the time these actors and these singers, and and they always want to tell me how to live my life or how to vote or, you know, and what do they sing about? What do they talk about? They talk about how miserable they are in their songs, right? I'm so depressed. I'm so lonely, you know, right? In all their songs. I'm not picking on your favorite people. Don't get all indignant. Uh, but they want to tell me how to live my life, right? And they're miserable. It's, it's the height of hypocrisy, right? And, and God isn't like that at all. So we have this strange ending. And the Lord points out that there's these 120,000 children that are living there in that area. Uh, people who are made in God's image, just like me. And it begins, the book begins and ends with God. And his response to sin, and his response to stubbornness, and his response to obedience, and his loving kindness. Um, can we be more like God, is the, is the idea from Jonah. Can we take the first steps in regards to sin? Can we be conscious of the storms in the lives of others around us, and not be asleep to those things, but to be present and to be active in trying to help them get to God and do I expect God to change for me or or am I expecting to change for God do I look at salvation as something that's for all mankind or is it just for me I'm, I'm just so lucky God cared about me or does God care about everyone and we need to try to repay the debt that God has paid for us do I have my priorities right what is my response to God's commandments. And that's what I want to think about uh, as we leave uh, Jonah. Don't delay. Take the plunge, just like Jonah did. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, I mean, I'm sure Jonah thought he was going to die, right? But sometimes we have to put aside our cares and our wants and our, our what we think we need and do what God has asked us to do. So, it's towards the end of the year, and if you need to make some correction in your life, a course correction, where you're you're not running away from God any longer, you're not trying to spend more time with the frogs, if you need to, to correct something like that in your life, I would encourage you to do it today. And let's start the new year right, in just a couple of weeks, right? If you never obeyed the gospel, we would encourage you to do that. We'd be happy to, to study with you. Uh, if any of those is the case for you this morning, please make it right.
right now as we stand and sing.